You're listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break. Whether you're a big-hearted creative or an aspiring entrepreneur, let's take action on your dreams. Reconnecting you with your why and giving you the how. I'm here to dish out actionable mindset tips and fun industry secrets to help you blow up your biz. From eye-opening reality checks to motivational gold, no two episodes are ever the same. So tune in weekly, skip the FOMO, and let's dive into the deep together. You're listening to Make Your Break. This is Jai Long, episode 187, and I'm talking to Tara. She has a magazine called Dancing With Her, which she started with her partner, and it's been going very well. She's got a few other projects on the go as well, and... um, Today, we're talking about being more inclusive, what that looks like, language that we can use. And we also just sort of just diving in on how she made a break, which is really important because so many of us, we've got so many ideas and there's so much pushback all the time and um, we don't know what to pursue. And it's so good just to listen to a different perspective, somebody else sharing their hopes and dreams and how they pushed through and how it all worked. So then it gives us a little bit of inspiration to keep going and pushing forward as well. I don't know about you, but I get very inspired by hearing other people's journeys. So excited about today. Tara is going to bring the energy. She's going to bring a new perspective and hopefully you're going to walk away feeling inspired, motivated, and maybe ready to take on that cool project that you've been thinking about doing, but you've been holding off for so long. So let's get into it. I am excited about today, as I always say, and um, I think you're going to get a lot from this episode. And I just want to say a big thank you for listening to the podcast, tuning back in. If you haven't done so yet, I would really appreciate a review. Believe it or not, I'm actually just clicking through right now. I actually read every single review that we ever get. So the last one here, I just want to read it. It says, brilliant as always, five stars. There you go, guys. Thank you so much again for inspiring me whilst I'm doing my walk of 10,000 steps, having a coffee in the English countryside, ready to go back to work and focus on my sales, customer and service. Thank you. P.S. I highly recommend Jai's podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time, leaving a review. It means so much to me. It helps build the podcast and everything else. I don't run ads on this podcast. You know, we do this. And if you want to give back, that's the way to do it. You can do it on Apple Podcast app. And I'll leave a link just below here in the actual description of this episode. So go ahead, do that. And uh, let's get into it. Hey, hey, today we have Tara here. She is from Dancing With Her. She has a magazine, a big online presence, and she's doing some really cool stuff to educate the community and bring some really good resources to the world that helps everyone become a more inclusive vendor as well. So tons of good stuff. But today I really want to dive in and talk to Tara about uh, her origin story and how it all started with her because I know it's going to be interesting. And also she works with a partner as well. And I'd like to know a little bit about that because it can sometimes not always be easy. So we'll see. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jai. Of course. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. So you're in Bendigo. Yes. It's a recent move for us. We've been here for about 12 months. So we moved down from the Gold Coast. Um, yeah. But it's been a nice change so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I felt like you were in Brisbane or the Gold Coast for some reason. So there you go. It was. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you actually do as well? So then we can sort of kick it off from there. Sure. So 
I actually have two publications. So I have Dancing With Her and Dancing With Them. But the bigger one of those two is Dancing With Her. And we started that back in 2016 when Alia and I got engaged. We went looking for wedding inspiration that we could see ourselves represented within. And what we kept coming across was either we weren't represented or what was out there was really stereotypical in terms of there was lots of rainbow flags and everything was in celebration of pride rather than in celebration of the love story. And that's not mm. what we wanted for ourselves. And so we sort of sat on that for probably, it was probably eight weeks, to be honest. Um, and I said to Alia, I think we need to do something about this. Like it's making us feel really shit. Like we don't want to plan a wedding because. Kind of takes the joy out of wedding planning, doesn't it? Absolutely. The industry wasn't welcoming for us. And so we sat on that and it was the next day, I think, that we started an Instagram account. And here we are six years later. (laughs) It's funny how like a really good business and something that you're passionate about always starts from solving your own problems. It definitely was. So yeah, it was something we, everything we create, even now goes back to what would we want to see? What would we want to be able to look at when we're planning our own wedding and we're still planning a wedding. We haven't got married yet. <laughs> we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, everything that we do is because of why we needed it. Do you feel like you have hit the mark? Sometimes. <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. be honest, probably our worst critics like Alia and myself, most of the days, yes. Like we've obviously found a really large global community that needed to see exactly what we're putting out into the world. The feedback that we get from that community or even parents of people with kids in the LGBTQ plus community tells us that we are definitely on the right track, that we're making a difference. Mm. Feedback from wedding vendors is that we're making a difference in the industry. So that's all positive and that's everything that we're trying to create. But there are definitely things that I know that we can do better, that we can put out into the world. And so I don't think we've we've hit the mark, sure, but there are other things that we can do. Yeah. So you feel proud of where you are today, but you're still ready and growing for something tomorrow. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about this process because there's a few things that come to my mind. One is like, obviously, did you say 2013? Uh, 2016 is when we started. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So especially 2016, like when I first started my career in 2013, like print media was very much dying. And then by the time 2016 came out, it kind of died. And then there was a few new wave of like magazines that came out that really stood out and things sort of took off. But just you and your situation or where you are with the, I guess, like the wedding community with print media being against you, with probably having no knowledge in that whole industry, I feel like you would have got a lot of no's. So tell me a little bit about that, like what you were sort of up against and was it an easy road? No. (laughs) Uh, So when we first started, I was working in aged care. I was working as a nurse in aged care at the time. And Alia was not long, probably about eight months out of having a traumatic brain injury. She had brain surgery. She was actually a jeweler before all of this. And so she wasn't able to continue that work. And we were still definitely in recovery mode from from that brain injury and the impact that that had created within our own relationship and our own lives. And so we definitely went into this with zero knowledge on how to create any of this. We had to build our own first website and that was a lot of, you know, YouTubing things and working things out. And we were able to do that. And so a print magazine for us was super important because the first thing that we did when we got engaged was went to a huge 
magazine store in Melbourne. It's three stories, lots of international copies. And we went in there looking for inspiration. Yeah. And so there was not one wedding magazine in that whole building that had a relationship that looked like ours. And when I say that, all I mean is an LGBTQ plus relationship. It was very heteronormative. And so we wanted to create a magazine because we knew that's what we wanted. We had no idea if the world wanted that as well. And there was a lot of no's. So we actually started creating the magazine was probably around September, October in 2016 with the aim that maybe we would have it out by March. <laughs> we had no idea what would, what was about to happen. We actually didn't get that magazine out until November that same year and there was a lot of no's. There was a lot of being told that, you know, if you don't have 100K in the bank, it, it's not going to work for you. You're not going to be able to do this. And how, and how did that make you feel? More determined to make it happen, to be honest. Yeah. To be honest. So it didn't actually hold you back at all? No, not at all. The complete opposite, really. My upbringing was very, um, I had to be very resilient. I I grew up in a single parent household. My dad got cancer when I was uh, probably in my early teens. And so we were in a household that wasn't, didn't have any income and we had a lot to go through. And I watched his journey. And I think from that, my resilience is built and I've been able to apply that in business. And I think that's been really amazing for us. So yeah, for every no, I was like, all right, well, Somebody else will say yes. Let's keep going. And so there were, was a lot of noise. There was a lot of. Were people you surprised by how many people said no, or sometimes the people that did say no? Probably not really. I understand. Like we had no background in any of this. That this was going to be a hard road. We were willing to do it, but we didn't really have anything to show, other than our growing Instagram account. That's all we had. And so we were really lucky to find a printer who wanted to sit down with us and, and talk us through the entire process of what that would look like and how much money we actually needed for that. And, you know, like I said, I was working as an aged care nurse part-time and part-time caring for Alia and Alia was on a disability pension or going through the process of that. And so she didn't have an income and we it was a lot of money that we needed up front. And so we kind of put that out to the community and we were able to pre-sell thousands of copies to 40 countries around the world. So is that actually how you raised the money? Yeah, that's exactly So you didn't what get a did. loan or anything. You just put the product out there and then just let the market basically say yay or nay. Yeah. So we actually pre-sold. We had the aim to pre-sell enough copies to pay for that initial print run, which we were able to achieve in a couple of weeks just via Instagram. Did you have a big social media following by this stage? It was under 20,000 because yeah. I remember when the magazine came out, we got a lot of media attention and it kind of, that's when it started catapulting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely under 20,000. Did either you guys have a social media following before going on this sort of journey? Nope. We started at zero <laughs> and I'm, we don't even use it for personal reasons necessarily. So it was definitely starting from it's the It's just good to know because there's so many people that say like, yeah, but if someone already had a following, then it's like, it's easy, you know? So it's, it's just so good to see that it's like from zero, we went to, with an idea, with the idea, we built a community with the community, we pre-sold the product with the products. We were able to grow this global magazine. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we've done. Yeah. And how is it working with your partner? Uh, challenging. <laughs> we work very different from one another. We've actually always worked together. Almost every job aside from that uh, aged care job, we've worked together. That's how we met. I was Alia's boss at one point, you know, and so the dynamic between us sometimes can be really challenging for us. And I'll say probably the first three years of business was 
really hard. And I mean, we were still trying to overcome Alia's injury as well. And that it's changed her a lot from the way she used to be able to navigate everything um, to how it is now. So it was a learning process of learning how. So all this was happening at the exact same time. All of it at the same time. (laughs) We don't do anything by halves. (laughs) And you're still like, yeah, but this is a great idea. Let's go all in on this business idea. I think there was probably points along the way where Alia was like, this is too much. I don't think we can make this happen. But I definitely had the fire in my belly and I was like, you keep saying that, but I'm going to keep working and I'm going to keep doing my, you know, working until three o'clock in the morning and going to bed and getting up at seven and starting again. And just, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. Did you ever think it was going to be easy? No. (laughs) I think from those initial no's that told us that, you know, it was going to be a long, hard, a lot to learn journey. And I still think it's really hard. And there are absolutely days where I'm like, throw it in the bin. I can't do it. It's overwhelming. But yeah, it's usually a message from the community that picks me back up. And I'm like, no, we're doing the right thing. We're, We're making a difference. Let's keep going. So yeah. So why do you keep going? It's the community that we've built. So at the core of everything, that's that's what I define my success as is, is our community and the feedback that we're getting from our community and things like that. It's not money in the bank for me at all. It's the feedback. So like I got an email yesterday from somebody sharing their wedding with us who said before they found our publication, a wedding wasn't on the cards for them. It, it, they didn't see themselves being represented within the wedding industry and so that, that wasn't going to be an option for them. They grew up in a space. They were um, grew up in a religious space where having an LGBTQ plus relationship wasn't okay. And so a wedding was never anything they envisioned. And then they found our publication, read our stories and and were able to have a beautiful wedding. Wow. So it's, it's just so good. And I really wanted to push this point home, but like so often when the going gets tough, we quit because our why is not deep enough. And so we're doing it for maybe monetary gains or uh, for something that's external instead of internal. And it sounds like for you, it was very internal of like, you have the drive, but also you're ready to push to new heights and you're also ready to step up and help the community with where you identified a huge gap and a need. And so it's kind of like being your mission to do that, which means if that why is so much stronger than the pain and the hardship that you go through to make it happen, like you'll keep going at it. And I think like as creative entrepreneurs, not enough people haven't found their why yet. And that's why that they're not uncomfortable enough to, uh, or if they do get uncomfortable, they'll just, um, they'll just stop, quit. And it's heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah. And like I said, there's definitely been days where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> do you still is, feel like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still have days when I'm like that. I've just gone through a bit of a rut where it was really hard for me to m- get motivated and to make things happen. And I can identify that that's because I have too many projects on at once. <laughs> I'm trying to achieve too many things and I, I need to focus on one thing. That's just how my brain works. Or focus on a couple of things, not necessarily one. But, um, you know, it, and we need, we're in the process of hiring and all of these fun things. And so... It was really overwhelming and it was really hard to get up and and do the work that we need to do. But yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, it's the community that drives us to do what we do every day. We know how important it is to have a wedding industry that is inclusive and is welcoming to all people. I feel like in my heart, that's it should be an industry that's like that and it's not. And a lot of the feedback we get is, you know, we've got marriage equality and so that's that 
that's kind of a full stop on that. And the conversation is so much more deeper than that. And the reality is that discrimination is, is happening in the wedding industry around the world. It's not like just something that happens in the deep South in America. That's not the case. Like it happens at huge venues in Melbourne. It happens in New York. It happens in LA. And the stories that we receive of what's happening to people is totally breaks my heart. And I can't, that drives me. Like I can't be okay with that happening. Like I need to be able to do something to make that change. Yeah, absolutely. So when you started in 2016, it would have, you probably would have been a little bit more naive, to be honest, because you probably didn't really understand the industry and what's actually going on around the world. And you live in a pretty progressive country as well. So have you kind of, from 2016 to now, have you seen a lot of change? And the second part is like, but is it still a lot of work to do? Mm-hmm. So when we first started, marriage equality wasn't a reality in Australia. There was conversations around it, but it wasn't anything. Like we hadn't put into place anything. And so 2017 is the year that we went through the whole plebiscite thing, which was so emotional. I still get emotional talking about it. And it was years ago now, you know, it was a huge thing for our community to go through. Every time I'm always like, I'm better from it, but it still brings things up, you know, like, Because we had started this publication, there was a lot of media interest in what we were doing. It aligned perfectly for media outlets in terms of what was going on um, in Australia. And so if we're just talking local to us, we were having conversations with media about what this meant to the community. And the truth is, like, it's so hard to articulate. The, The messages that we were getting from people were heartbreaking. Like, we we were getting messages from people who were have had people in their lives who were dying by suicide because they couldn't cope with what was going on and the trauma surrounding that. And, you know, for some people it meant having conversations with family about these sort of topics for the first time, and that's huge for somebody to go through. Whether you come from a progressive country or not, there are, there are different things happening in people's lives that we need to remember, and, and this applies to wedding planning as well, when we're working as a photographer, for example, we need to be thinking about what is it like at home for these people? You know, yeah, they've got marriage equality, they've got a beautiful love and they're getting married, but their experiences and their intersections from the rest of their life come into play when it comes in the wedding day. And so I definitely think there's been change, even in Australia, but also around the world, there's been change. We do have marriage equality in more countries now, which is the obvious one, Um, but there's also more conversation around it, and I think that that's super important. We need to be having conversations like this, but there is absolutely a long way to go. You know, I I still get a lot of emails about people whose contact forms say bride and groom. Like, that's such a simple one, um, but one that's overlooked all the time, or it's usually to do around language that's being used or, um, you know, images in marketing like aren't inclusive and they're not showing the wider community. It's, you know, styled shoots are still happening that include models posing as LGBTQ plus couples, which is super inauthentic and not the right thing to be doing. We need to move away from that, you know. We get them all the time. And that we, so there's still a lot of conversations that need to happen and a lot of change that needs to happen. But in saying that also there's, it's, the community, the LGBTQ bus community is is fluid, I guess. Like we're we're learning more about the community and, and expressing ourselves differently and things like that. And so even for me, as part of the community who teaches people how to be inclusive wedding uh, vendors, 
I still need to continue that education and I still need to continue to learn. You know, it's an ongoing process. It's not something that, you know, we tick a box and we move on from that. I do remember roughly around about when you first sort of started your publication, there was another publication in Australia that actually went out of business and it was to do with this whole topic because they weren't willing to evolve and adapt and everything else and then they kind of lost everything. I'm not sure if you're familiar with film talking about what happened. Mm-hmm. But um, do you think like moving forward, there's a lot of businesses that will be left behind because there's always sort of a big spot where people get stuck on not changing. Like you see this all the time, especially in business. Like they, they're like, I've always said that word. I've always done it this way. I've always, you know, it's it's like this, it's like this. And then they're going to find themselves really quickly that will feel like quick to them, but uh, really irrelevant to the market because the market will shift and they will be left behind. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to attract the people, the way you speak and, and what you put out into the world are the people that you're going to attract. And so we see quite often uh, vendors who want to attract the LGBTQ plus community, but they haven't had a chance to shoot a couple within the community, for example. And they come to us and they're like, well, how do we make that happen? I'm like, you've got to go out there and you've got to do the work. You've got to be educated. You've got to use the right language. You know, you need to show LGBTQ plus people that they're welcome um, within your business because I know we do a survey with our community and so we so we can keep on top of this sort of stuff and understand a little bit more. And it's like 60% of people won't even bother to reach out if they don't see an LGBTQ plus couple on your Instagram feed. If they don't see that, if that's not one of the first 20 or so images in your feed, they're not going to reach out to you. And so you're losing work that you might not even know that you're losing. I had a friend the other day and she posted a um, same-sex couple on her Instagram. She does like probably every, you know, it's always on her feed. And um, she actually just did a live video to just to say that like every time she does, she gets a lot of comments on there from people just saying like, I'm going to unfollow you. You shouldn't be sharing this. And she was always just sort of brushing it off and just delete it before the clients see it. But then she wanted to call it out. She's like, I don't want to call it out because it's so hard because I don't want to call it out and make it, make it a fuss because of my clients. Like it's, you know, it's them. But I'm also finding it really hard that there's people here following me that um, would treat people like that on my account, my clients on my account instead of just leaving if that's not in line with you. So you do see a lot of things like that and, you, and you're starting to see people to actually, um, I guess, call it out and stand up and um, more people sort of like expressing their values and and showing where they're at. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I think if you're really strong in your values, like, and you're putting that out into the world, that's what you're going to attract. And you're going, those people who don't agree with it will eventually unfollow you and not be a part of your community. And that's what you want. (laughs) It's no worth, it's not, you know, we're going to say vanity metrics or whatever. If you've got an extra hundred people on your Instagram account, it's it and they're not the right customers for you anyway so there's no point having them <laughs> exactly they're not for you let them go not for you <laughs> um let's talk about creating a more inclusive business like um i know inside like my business map my course i have um like a whole module subject on inclusivity uh for a wide range of things and i think it's really important that everyone starts thinking about their business and their brand and everything on how to be a safe space for everybody and I want to ask you, like, what can we do to start auditing our own business and just seeing, like, what we can change in it and to make sure that we are safe and friendly and we're putting out the values that we that actually are in line with us? Yeah. 
So I want to start by saying that when I talk about inclusivity, I'm generally speaking about LGBTQ plus inclusivity. I think that's important to remember that, you know, like that's not the only thing. We can be more inclusive by including a lot of different other intersections and different, um, you know, different religions or different backgrounds or different skin colour, whatever it might be. So when I'm talking about inclusivity, I'm generally speaking about LGBTQ plus inclusivity. That's because I'm a part of this community um, and that's what I'm super duper passionate about. But within that, I also know the importance of sharing diversity of our community and representative of what our community actually looks like. You know, a lot of the style shoots that we get submitted as a publication are often skinny white people, usually brides and usually both wearing dresses. That's not what our community looks like. Our community is so much more diverse than that. Um, And so that yeah, when I'm speaking about that, that's what I mean. In terms of like how we can go about being more inclusive, there are lots of little things that we can do. So usually when I talk about this sort of stuff, people are like, of course, like that that's common sense. That makes sense. It's a super easy thing to change, but it makes a huge difference. Hey, but common community. sense is not common practice. So let's be, let's be <laughs> honest with each other here. Sometimes, yeah. So usually that's the feedback that I get. It's like, oh, that's so small. Like I said, like, Make sure that your end-to-end processes, like I'm talking where people first find you, that very first interaction that somebody might have with you, that the language that you're using isn't assuming that there is a bride or a groom in that process until you identify that there is. I don't want to go about saying like sometimes I put things out into the world and people are like, no, like we can still use the word bride or groom. Absolutely. If that's how your couple are identifying, use those words, use the words that they're self-identifying themselves as. So there are lots of different phrases within the LGBTQ plus community that somebody might be using to describe themselves on their wedding day. And so just mirroring back that that so you're listening to the people along the way so yeah we start from where people are finding you all the way through to that very like last email that you send to them and then beyond that and what that looks like and so you really need to be looking at that process from the perspective of pretend you're an lgbtq plus client or get an lgbtq plus person to have a look for you that's probably the best way to go about it um, and make sure that process end-to-end is exactly the same for somebody who is in an LGBTQ plus relationship as it is for somebody who's in a heterosexual relationship. Because at the end of the day, you might be working with an L- uh, sorry, a heterosexual couple or a presenting couple. Those people might not actually identify as heterosexual. They might identify as somebody within the LGBTQ plus community. And so we want to be totally. inclusive of them within that process as well. But yeah, like I said, we've we've got a little guidebook that we've put together that's kind of like a checklist, like things that you need to look at on your website, on your social media, in your marketing, um, your emails and things like that. So we've got a little checklist that you're able to download and hopefully we can give that access to that for people. Yeah, I'll put that in the captions underneath. Yeah, so um, people can go through and just check that along as well. Cool. And what about like, uh, I talk a lot about like building your brand. This is something I'm really passionate about. It's like people don't realize a brand is more than their logo. And it's like, how you interact with people on social media, how you talk to people or make Facebook posts. And you see this a lot. Like you'll see like, Hey, so how do I attract more brides? Or how do I, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And what they don't realize is they're creating an image of the brand and their values by what they actually post, but also how they comment and who they argue with and, and things like that on social media, on Instagram as well, and TikTok and, and anywhere else where we show up. So yeah, how do you feel about um, actually your overall brand and how conscious we are of the language that we use? 
I think that we need to be really conscious. I'm, it's something that I, I usually will write like a caption for Instagram and I'll reread it just to make sure that I'm making, uh, like that I'm being inclusive of people. One thing that I'm working on for myself at the moment is trying not to even use the word couples. And I know I've already said it in this podcast, um, but it's something that I'm trying to move away from because within Dancing With Them as a publication, we're getting more and more people who are in throuples or, you know, polyamorous relationships and they're wanting to share their love. And so I'm trying to be really inclusive of those when I'm when I'm talking as well. So like I said, I've still got work to do and I still need to make sure I'm doing these things along the way as well. Um, but that's like one little example of what I'm trying to do, yeah. Yeah. Have you got any kind of tips on like the language that we can use, um, like maybe words that we can swap out and just practical things that we can think about even just on our website or when we post on social media? Mm -hmm. The biggest one that we see most of the time is the word brides. It gets used all the time. And I know that there's a lot of conversation around, you know, it's not just the bride that's planning a wedding day. And that's absolutely true. We need to be shifting our language away from that. I, I tend to use the word lovers, although that's a, some people like it, some people don't. That's just the language that I use within our brand. That's what fits for us. But yeah, like shifting from saying bride and groom to lovers or trying to shift away from couples. So we need to think of other things. You can call them whatever you like, whatever is fitting for your brand. I mean, um, we see some really creative names that people come up with for this sort of thing. That applies to like when we're talking about like wedding party and things like that, you know, instead of saying bridal party, just use the term wedding party and then we're being inclusive of what it actually is and inclusive of the people that might be within that wedding party as well because there might be LGBTQ plus people within that wedding party, there might be gender diverse people or trans people within that wedding party. And so if we're calling it a bridal party, we're usually making the assumption that you know, it's the bride's side to start with. Um, and that's usually made up of people who identify as women. So we shift away from that language, you know, when we're uh, at venues and things like that. What do we call them? Bright, you don't call them bridal rooms, do you? Where where they get yeah, bridal, bridal room. rooms. Okay, well, not using things like that. So just shifting out that word bridal is super easy thing to be able to do. Well, even just talking about that, you know, so interesting. I was um, talking to someone the other day about like the master bedroom. And mm -hmm. they're like, you know, it's called a master bedroom because of when they had slaves, right? It's so interesting. There's so many things that we have from, you know, throughout time. But then now that like we're reflecting on all these things, it's like, oh, there's actually, yeah, things that need to be changed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that I specifically within uh, for wedding vendors is something that I'm like really trying to push away from is using the term um, same sex wedding because that's not necessarily what it is. It is sometimes if if my partner and I were getting married, that's what it would be. But we're using the term LGBTQ plus wedding just because it's more inclusive of, you know, our gender diverse community in particular, um, using phrases like that. So they're really tiny little things that you can change instead of calling, like, yes, at the end of the day, call a wedding a wedding. But, you know, if we're describing what it is within the, within the wedding community, that's how we would go about it. At the end of the day, easiest way to be inclusive is to mirror back and reflect what your couples are identifying with. So when you've got your intake forms and things like that, you're allowing them space to share their pronouns, share what they'd like to call themselves on their wedding day, if that's appropriate for the form at the time. Pronouns is a really easy one that you can ask that, um, you know, you're not making assumptions from that. That's the general thing of everything is try not to make assumptions and reflect back what 
those the language that those couples are using. So one that we might use as an example is you might be marrying an LGBTQ plus couple. You've got somebody who's identified themselves as a bride. That's the language that they're using to you. And they might identify as their partner as a broom, which is a, a term that sometimes people use instead of using the word bride or groom. Obviously, a little mashup of the two. They might identify as their partner as that. They'll be, use that in conversation with you. Reflect that back. And when you're, you know, going about it later on, use that language, put it in place instead of saying bride or groom. Yeah, and I listening. love that. <laughs> yeah, listen. Listen and ask questions. I think not enough people ask questions because they're too scared and they're too scared to you know, to look to be seen as like, they don't know what they're talking about or like whatever it is, but it's so important. Like we all have to start by asking a question and we all have to start by knowing that we all know nothing. And then, you know, we build our way up and to be curious and to, and to, um, always be seeking answers. And especially if you're feeling anxious and you're feeling like it's a whole new world or, I mean, that's with anything, anything at all, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but, um, so important. So, Oh, sorry. You're about to say something. I was just going to say we get we get off often like how people can ask for pronouns. That's like a big thing at the moment, and it can be like language that's kind of it's kind of hard to ask that question, I guess, because you're not you're not sure if you're going to say the wrong thing. Usually, is what what goes about it, and you've never said it before, so it's kind of awkward to say, I guess. But it's really is like as easy as saying, "Hey, my name is Tara. My pronouns are she/hers. What are yours?" Or just lead with these are my pronouns. You don't need to necessarily know somebody's pronouns. It's not necessarily important in what you were doing. It is easier in conversation later on if you do know what they are, but lead with yours. And then that opens up the floor for them to be able to share them comfortably with you as well. It's really simple. Um, It's just finding the confidence, I guess, to be able to do that. And if you do make a mistake, because that'll happen. Absolutely. Like I've made mistakes. I've said the wrong thing sometimes. Like it's as simple as saying, oh, sorry. And correcting yourself. Like you don't need to make a big deal out of it or anything like that. You know, you're not going to lose your client over a little slip up in your language. You just need to be able to correct yourselves and make sure moving on, you're not continuing to make that mistake. Totally. And I know for myself, it's like being a podcast host, there's a lot of different ways to do it as well. Like one way is just doing, it's easier for me, but just doing a little bit of research. So for instance, I could look at on your website and I can see before we even have the conversation. So I've done my research and then on like Instagram now, a lot of names will have their pronouns next to it. So then you can like a lot of the times find out pretty fast, but it's probably a little bit harder when you're getting someone on the contact form and they're getting married because maybe they don't have a social media presence or they don't have a website or they don't publicly put those things out. But obviously, um, I think it's a good idea just to look around and sometimes you can creep on your clients, you know, on social media and if they do use it. I mean, even on Zoom here, I can see it right here. So it's popping up more and more all over the place as well to make it a lot easier. It doesn't have, none of this stuff has to be hard. It's actually really easy. It's just having the knowledge to make it happen. So what's on um, the horizon for you? What's your big unrealistic goals for the next couple of years? <laughs> so we're actually rejigging our print magazine at the moment. So we've actually released 10 magazines out into the world. Uh, the 10th one came out during COVID and it was a bit of a shitstorm. <laughs> Printing was really challenging. Postage is still really challenging for us. Oh, um, so and hard. so just trying to work out the best way to move forward um, from that. So we're actually working on reimagining what a print magazine looks like for us. Um, it is still really important to us that we have 
something that is tangible and that people can buy because people love having that and people are proud to have that in their homes. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the first time I met somebody at a workshop and they said that their friends had them proudly on display at their home and I was like, oh, like people really, like this is it's really connecting with people. And so it's super important that we keep that. Um, it's just reimagining what that looks like moving forward. And so for us currently we're still working and ironing out the details. It's still a few months away, but we are looking at doing more of a, a table coffee table book full of wedding inspiration and um, wedding planning stuff and all that sort of stuff. So that's what we're working on at the moment, just working out the logistics of that. But um, something that we haven't really seen before but know that, you know, our community is going to love something like that and it's going to be really different and unique and super excited to work on that and continuing to work and expanding on our second brand, which is Dancing With Them, which is Dancing With Her is obviously quite a gendered publication. I see a real need to share stories beyond uh, that. And so Dancing With Them has definitely been an outlet for us that we've been working on for a little while um, where we're able to share more stories from like the gender diverse and, and trans communities particularly. But yeah, there's lots of diversity within that publication. So exciting. And sort of just to wrap up here, I know that you do have an online course as well. Yes. Um, can you tell us about that and where we can find you? Yeah. So we created a entire course. It's a, it's about two hours long. So there's a lot of information in there, but super digestible, bite-sizey stuff. And it's literally called How to Be an LGBTQ Plus Inclusive Wedding Vendor because that's exactly what it is. We teach you everything from why this stuff is important because I think that sometimes having the really tough conversations around this and talking about what the industry actually looks like right now, what discrimination looks and feels like in the industry, I think if we don't understand that, it might be harder to know the importance of this sort of stuff. So we talk a lot about that sort of stuff, obviously talk a lot about practical stuff like languages that we can change and and shift in. Um, We talk a lot about also like, what, so the results, we do a survey once a year around this sort of stuff. And so we talk about the results of that and, and how we can apply that in our marketing as a wedding professional to start being more inclusive and attracting LGBTQ plus clients. So we talk about that, all your marketing stuff, end-to-end stuff, and that is online. So the, probably the easiest way to go about it is um, heading to dancingwithher.com. We have a little tab there that says for wedding vendors um, and all the information's in there, the free downloadables in that little um, pull-down menu as well. Sweet, perfect. And I think, what was the cost, $29? It's only $29. So Get over there, buy it, it's a no-brainer. It's super accessible. That was something that was really important to us. I don't want to gatekeep the information. Um, I think that if we're putting huge price tags, uh, this cost is... Like I know that it's worth a lot more than what we charge for it. But the reason for that is because I feel like it's really important that we can get this out to people. Um, And if people have struggles um, being able to access it for that price point, like you can slide into our DMs and you can talk to us about it and we'll give you access to that. Like that's not a drama at all. It's super important information that I know will change the wedding industry. We just need to get it out there. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for jumping on and having a conversation with us today. It was really good. Good to see the background story. Uh, I've been a fan for a long time, so it's just good to put a face to the name and I love all the work that you're doing. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.